Well, good morning. My name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Uh, today is June the 9th, and we still find ourselves in the book of Ephesians. Uh, last time we were together, uh, we introduced chapter number five. Um, and of course, we talked about how the first part of the book, Paul is dealing with doctrine, as is his custom. In the latter part of the book, Paul is dealing with practical. Um, so he says in Ephesians 5, 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Be ye followers of God as dear children. Walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication, all uncleanliness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. And then we picked up here, and we left off here in verse number five. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So um, Paul here is talking about things that true believers should not be involved in. And here in verse number five, he seems to be making a reference back to verse number three. He's almost repeating himself because notice he says, but fornication, which is sexual sin. And here he says, whoremonger. Um and then he says uncleanness, and he says nor unclean person. And then he says or covetous, and he says nor covetous man. But he adds to it who is an idolater. And that's where we, we stopped off last night uh, or yesterday. He's not questioning their salvation. He's, questioning, he's talking about their behavior. Um, the verse gets a little confusing, confusion, confusing here um, because of that part, nor covetous man who is an idolater. Um, Albert Barnes, who's one of my favorite commentators, says this, says this, the covetous, boy, I spelled that wrong, didn't I? The covetous man bestows on money the affections due to God. So here when he says, for this ye know that no whoremonger, comma, nor unclean person, comma, nor covetous man, comma, who is an idolater. So he's talking about that covetous man accusing him of being an idolater. Why does he say that? Well, Albert Barnes uses Colossians 3.5 as proof text. Colossians 3.5 and Colossians and Ephesians read very similar. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon earth. Fornication, same thing, sexual sin, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So he said he basically uses the same thing, covetousness, which is idolatry. Um, the point here is that the worship of material wealth 
is just as idolatrous as worshiping a piece of wood or a block of stone. Um, so that's what he's saying. If you're covetous, that means you have set your affections on things on earth instead of things in heaven. Uh, and of course, idolaters have no inheritance, he goes on to say, in the kingdom um, of Christ and of God. So uh, that I believe that's why he's linking that together, nor covetous man who is an idolater. Um, and of course, the reasoning is that you either worship God or you worship the God of this world. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, um, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve both. So that's why he's saying of the covetous man that he's an idolater. Uh, he is worship, worshiping uh, mammon, money, material things instead of God. His God is material wealth. Boy, that sounds <laughs> pretty familiar, doesn't it? Um, man, uh, and, you know, of course it goes on to say, and the one that does this, what, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God and, uh, and of Christ. Man, if that's a disqualifier today, I'm telling you, and it is, God's word doesn't change. Um, what do you worship? You know, are you, are you worshiping here and now, uh, you know, or then and there, you know? Um, and then he goes on in verse number six and he says, let, let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore to partakers with them. Okay. So you know, them, the children of disobedience, is someone else that Paul is not specifically addressing here in Ephesians. This verse seems to be targeted at someone specifically that is spreading this stuff. I mean, because he says, let no man deceive you. Let no man, someone else, deceive you with their vain words. We talked about that word vain, uh, meaning, you know, the Spanish word is inutil. <laughs> it's worthless, inutility, um, words that mean nothing. For because of these things, what things? All the stuff he talked about whoremongers and unclean purchase and uh, un unclean persons and um, covetous men for because of these things the wrath of God is coming on the children of disobedience um, so the verse seems to be targeted at someone specifically that was spreading this stuff Paul's dealt with this issue before in Romans 16 17 um, he said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. So people who are spreading this stuff, uh, people who are not walking this way, um, you need to mark them. What does that mean? You put a brand on them? 
No, it's just you need to point them out. Uh, you know, those who are disobeying in these things, those who are saying they are saints and they're walking as ain'ts, <laughs> you need to stay away from them. I mean, bear in mind, he's, he's given you this practical throughout this latter part of Ephesians, how those who become saints should walk. And if there's someone among you who says they're a saint, you know, but are walking like an ain't, <laughs> um, you need to mark them. Um, they're causing divisions and offense is contrary to the doctrine that you've learned. And you need to stay away from them. You need to avoid them. Uh, you need to set yourself apart to them. The word saint means set apart, consecrated. You need to stay away from that which is not holy. Um, so that's what he said in Romans 16, 17. And in Titus 3.10, he said, A man that is a heretic after the first and second admi admonition, you need to reject that man. Um, a heretic, I've studied that word, is not someone who disagrees with you. Okay, It's someone who is not only embracing false teaching, but is actively spreading that false teaching um, because to be honest with you I've been in the ministry a long time I've been studying this book a long time and I've embraced some false teaching I've embraced some doctrinal error I don't think that makes me a heretic if that's the case then we're all heretics because all of us have changed on something uh, and I certainly have over the past several years uh, in the way I view um, the body of Christ and you know all about that if you've been following me for any length of time. Um, you know, so in the past, I, I saw it one way, and now I see it this way. That doesn't make me a heretic. A heretic is someone who has embraced a false doctrine, uh, something that is just completely contrary to the teachings of Scripture, the teachings of Christ, and actively spreading that. Um. And he says here, obviously, you need to confront those people, you know, uh, not only once, but twice. And once they no longer are listening, you need to reject them. You need to walk away from them. I mean, we can have disagreements. I'm not going to call you a heretic just because you disagree with me over what happened in Acts chapter number two. My soul, <laughs> my, 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 uh, you know, my, uh, my eternal destination I mean, I don't believe I'm going to get to heaven one day and, and Jesus says, what do you think happened in Acts chapter number two? You know, I mean, that's not, we can have disagreements. That doesn't make us heretics. Um, it's when we're knowingly propagating lies. Um, so, but uh, anyway, it's a neat word. You need to. Uh, Brian Ross has a very good study on what exactly is heresy and a heretic. We throw that word around a lot today. It's kind of like, well, I was talking to somebody the other day. The left likes to, anyone who disagrees with them is a racist, you know, or they are a fascist, they're a communist, you know. 
Um, what's that other word they're throwing around now? Um, um, fascist, racist, extremist, extremist. Oh, that's it today. So if you disagree with anything that the left does, you're an extremist, you know. Uh, if you don't embrace all points as they do, you're an extremist. Um, you know, we just need to be careful with that. I can fellowship with people I don't necessarily agree with. You know, uh, we don't need to major in the minors, is my point. You may disagree with me about the second coming of Christ when uh, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pan-trib, <laughs> you know, um, but that's not a fundamental of the faith. You know, uh, we've, we've talked about the fundamentals of the faith. I mean, literally things that you need to embrace to be a Christian, you know, like the virgin birth, you know, Christ's deity. I mean, if Christ wasn't born of a virgin, he was born of a sinner just like you and me, and he would be in need of a savior himself. Um, deity, uh, he is part of the Godhead. You know, he's not the brother of Lucifer. Um, he's not Michael, the archangel, you know, that's heresy. Okay. Um, you know, the, uh, the divinity, um, the, uh, inspiration of scripture. I mean, if I don't hold the word of God in my hand, then I might as well be holding, you know, a magazine, <laughs> you know, in my hand, um, the second coming. I mean, if Jesus isn't coming back, then what's the point, you know? Uh, there's fundamentals that we just, you know, if we start denying those, we're falling into heresy. Um, so he says, let no man deceive you with vain, with vain words. And, you know, Paul's talking here in Romans 16, 17, Titus 3.10, and in 2 Thessalonians 3.14, and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man. That means put a mark on him. And have no company with him that he may be ashamed of himself. <laughs> okay. Don't count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. We have an obligation to do that. We have an obligation to do that. Uh, then notice in verse number eight, for ye, you know, of course he's, he says, you Gentiles, for ye were sometimes darkness but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of the light now. I mean, you used to be off in the darkness, but now um, you've come to the light. Walk as children of the light. And then parenthetically, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So now he's reminding them that at one time they, Gentiles, were in darkness, but no longer as that they have now come to the light and they need to walk as such, as children of the light, not children of the night. And notice that latter part. This is parenthetical. All that means is there's it's set in a parenthesis. Um, he is referring to the fruits of the Spirit, which he is going to build on when he gets down into Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And we'll talk about that when we get there. And then notice he says in verse 10, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. What does that mean? I mean, it's, it's a continual thought there that he's saying. 
I think one of the biggest mistakes we make when we read the Bible is we don't pay attention to punctuation. Um, the punctuation sets the context of what's being said. And Paul did not, Paul would have a problem in a modern English class <laughs> because he had some amazing run-on sentences. <laughs> it's because it's all one thought. And to pull any word or part of that thought and make it say something else is when we take things out of context. A, a, a text out of context is a pretext, is what they taught us in school. A text out of the context is a pretext. Um, just like in real estate, location, location, location. In the Bible, it's context, context, context. What was, this, what was the verse before it? Because bear in mind, remember, this: the Bible was not written in verses. It was, it was written, you know, as letters uh, in paragraphs and sentences. Um, so what did the verse, what was he talking about in the verse before it? What was he talking about in the verse after it? You know, that determines the context and what the verse is saying. Um, so in the context, let me get back, uh, Ephesians 5, 8. Notice he says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye in the are ye light in the Lord? Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. In other words, if we do these things, we are going to prove what is acceptable of the Lord. When we walk in the light, we are proving or showing what is acceptable uh, and things that are good, righteous, and true. You know, but that's what we prove. Um, and the way we walk is who we are. The way we walk is what we believe. You can say one thing with your mouth, but you will prove it with your life. And I used to say, God wants life, not lip. I mean, he'll take the lip but the life has to follow the lip, okay? Uh, very similar to Romans 12, too, in that regard, when he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, trash in, trash out, good things in, good things out. Out of the mouth comes the thoughts and tents of the heart. Um, when someone says something, it came from the inside. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. No, you just didn't mean to let it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, so that you can be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's really what he's saying here. If, if we walk the way he's saying us, telling us to walk here as saints, we're going to prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. And that's what he's saying there. Uh, we're going to prove what is acceptable to the Lord. And then notice in verse 11. And have no fellowship 
with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So he's he's still, I mean, the context is still the same. You remember back in verse 8, for ye were sometimes in the dark, but now you're in the light. Walk like it. And in so doing, you're going to prove what is acceptable to God. And what's acceptable to God? Your life will prove what is acceptable to God. All these things that he said above. And don't have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Bring it to the light. Albert Barnes, once again, said, instead of fellowshipping with the darkness, we need to reprove it. This verse does not mean necessarily verbally reprove it, but we're going to prove, we're going to reprove it with our life. Our life is going to be an open rebuke to um, those who walk um, contrary to what Paul is talking about here. So really, it's, it's not necessarily a verbal rebuke. It's our life. It's our influence is going to be a correction of wrong. That only happens as we are walking to the light. The, the closer we get to the light, the more like him we become. The further we get from the light, the less like him we become. Uh, our lives should be a standing rebuke to the sinful world around us. You ever been in mixed company and someone says a foul word or a cuss word or they'll 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 uh, say something with a little innuendo in it or uh, um, something that's just not healthy, and they'll immediately say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were here." Why do they do that? Because our life is a standing rebuke to them. Uh, the light that we bring exposes them. It reproves them. People should not feel comfortable walking in fornication and in covetousness and uncleanness around us. Our life should be a standing rebuke to them. Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now, this is talking about unbelievers. I mean, people who are not walking in the faith. Um, but I believe, just like he said earlier about marking and noting and, and correcting and rejecting and, you know, staying away from those people, Believers who walk like unbelievers, and Lord knows there's a lot of them. You know, I go to first such and such, you know, uh, first fellowship of the ignorant brethren, you know, and, you know, if they claim they're this, but they're walking like that, you don't need to be unequally yoked with those people. For what fellowship? You know, fellowship is two fellows in a ship, okay? What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? While you're walking in the right way, you're walking in the light, they're over here prancing around in the dark. What communion hath light with darkness? You can't have light and darkness in the same place. You can have shadows. <laughs> okay. But once the light comes on, the darkness flees. And once the light goes off, you know, what's more powerful? The light. 
The light can make the darkness flee. The darkness cannot overcome the light. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Um, you know, and that's literally, you know, the devil. Um, what concord, what fellowship? Well, that word concord, that's an interesting word. What concord? What accordance? Uh, let's see how the other, let's see. What accord? has Christ with Belial. Accord. Let's see. Let's look at some of the other translations. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's pretty good. What what accord? I mean, they're not the same thing. How can they? You know, the reason I like you is because you're like me. And the reason I don't like you necessarily is because you're not like me. It just means we have no fellowship. We have no accord. We have no harmony. I mean, there's no reason why. I mean, if you want to watch baseball all day long, and I don't like baseball, there's not much for you and I to fellowship over (laughs) about. You know, like attracts like. I mean, I hang around people who are like me. You know, I hang around Bible junkies. You know, I hang around people who like to question assumptions. That's just me. Um. So he's saying there, what what accord, what harmony has Christ with the devil? There is none. And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Um, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God, they will be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and, and ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So in verse 11, when he says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Bring them to the light. Once the light enters, you're going to see what's in the corners. Um, and then he, he goes on in verse 12, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I mean, people who are not walking in the light and the things that they do in the darkness, it's a shame to even talk about the things that they're doing over there in the corner. I have heard too many testimonies that did this too. Uh, my point there is don't focus on, on what the devil did in your life. Focus what what God did. The miracle of salvation, the miracle of salvation is not what you did or what you've been saved from. The miracle is that God even saved you. (laughs) That's the miracle. That's the focus. Uh, The miracle is not what he saved us from, but what he said, but that he saved us at all. You know, so it's a shame even to speak of those things that these people are doing over here in the darkness. Of course, now they're doing it on live television. Now it's in our face. We got a whole month of debauchery ahead of us. You know, and it's not being done over in a corner. It's being the light has lost um it, its power. I mean the the church is not doing the church is not openly rebuking this anymore. The church has so compromised the church has accepted it. The church has lost its savor. The church is no longer 
you know, exposing it, but now it's embracing it. But this stuff is so hideous, it, it should be a shame to even talk about it. But now it's being thrust on our children. Now it's in every corner. It's everywhere. Um, I believe I'll stop there. I'm at, I'm at 30 minutes. Next time we get together, but all things are reproved or made manifest by the light. We should be reproving. We should bring. We should be bringing this stuff out, not accepting it, not sitting over in the corner like a little church mouse with our hands folded. We should be exposing this, and we're just not doing it. We're not doing it at all. The church has been so compromised today. It's it's tragic, but. Anyway, let's just uh, stick with what Paul's talking here. And next time we'll pick up in verse number 13. Well, we don't, you know, we're already getting down in chapter number 5. Chapter number 6 is where, you know, uh, there's only six chapters. So, uh, anyway, God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. And he's working all things out for our good.